and seen how Jesus came in and brought salvation, brought purpose, brought healing to them right where they were. Today we're looking at a, a little different aspect of the story of, of Luke and Jesus interacting with the people because Jesus, he had so much compassion for the people, but his mission was not just to directly minister to everybody himself. But it was to raise up people who would do the same things that he did. In fact, he told his disciples, he said, hey, I'm going to leave, but it's better for you that I leave because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he's going to be in every one of you and you'll actually do greater things than I do. And that's one of the hardest verses in the Bible to believe, I think. That he told his followers, hey, you'll do greater things than I do because I want to put the Holy Spirit in you. But his, his mission was not only to do great things himself, but it was to to mobilize a movement. It was to, to touch a group of people's lives in such a way that they would be the ones that would go out and would bring his message of salvation and transformation to other people. And we're going to look at the this, this story today of how he is sending people out into that mission. And that's really the mission that he calls us all into. He wants us to be a movement that's, that's spreading the good news and, and touching lives around us. And I don't know about you, but that's not the thing that comes natural to me. I, I grew up in a, in a great Christian home, uh, accepted Christ as, at an early age, really had a genuine love for God. But I, when it came to sharing my faith with others, I was really scared. And really didn't see a whole lot of that happen for a lot of the early years of my life. And even just the thought of talking to people about Jesus and bringing up that subject, at brought up all sorts of fears and insecurities, and I was, I was a very quiet person. Um, in fact, to this day, when I meet people who knew me as a kid or in high school, and they hear, oh, you're a pastor, they kind of just, like, take a minute to, like, figure that out. Like, how does a guy who never talked become a pastor? Like, that, that doesn't work very well. Um, but that was, I, it was a real challenge for me. But through, really, me experiencing more of the power of the Holy Spirit in my life and having people in my life helping to disciple me and challenged me, I began stepping into that and experiencing the joy of, wow, I remember starting a Bible study in my dorm in college, and I remember inviting the guy across the hall from me, and he didn't come to our Bible study that, that first night we had it, but then later that night, he, he knocked on my roommate in, in my door and said, hey, you know that Bible study you invited me to, I, I'm interested, but... I don't know anything about the Bible, so I feel a little, a little like insecure going to this group with other people. But can we just meet like in one of our rooms, and can I bring some questions? I was like, sure. And so we started talking, and a, a month or two after that, he crossed the line of faith and accepted Christ and, and started following Jesus. And that was like 23 years ago. And this he has now followed God since then. He's, he's actually an elder in his church in L.A. on the worship team has touched many lives. I was like, just because I stepped out a little bit, God did something. And that there, you know, story after story, that little insecure me, it's amazing how the, the things when I have trusted God, that God has used it. And so that's what we're looking at today is that really this is God is, this is a movement moment. This is a moment in time where God is, he is moving. And what a movement is, is a group of people that are, that are organized together for a common purpose. And God has called us to be people that are, that are organized and doing things together for the common purpose of seeing lives touched and seeing the world changed. But that's challenging for, 
for all of us. But it's what God calls us for and equips us, equips us for. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 10 and just look at how when Jesus was mobilizing a movement, what was involved in that? And look at how he wants to involve us in that. Does that sound good to you all? All right, good. Well, Luke chapter 10. i read the first couple of verses here. You can read on the screen or if you have a Bible, you can, you can read there. It says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Think about that. Jesus was going about in his earthly ministry. He was traveling around the land of Israel. And he was everywhere he went, he preached the message that the kingdom of God was, was near. And he backed that up with delivering people from evil spirits and healing the sick doing miracles. And so he was continuing to go to places, but he changed things up a little bit here. And he kind of sent an advance, advance parties by twos into the towns where he was going to go. And he said, hey, before I go, I want you to go, and I want you to like prepare things. And basically, as we're going to read there, we're doing basically the same things that, that he was going to do. But he was going to go somewhere, but before he went, people had to go there first. And it's really the same today. That God is coming into all the world. I I just read this morning, the Bible says that all the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And sometimes we're just wondering, like, God, why don't you just save the whole world? Why don't you just reveal yourself to everybody? But God has a means by which He changes the world. And it's usually through other people. And usually before He comes into someone's life, He sends a person into that person's life. He sends a person into their neighborhood or into their class or into their job or wherever. They come to that place first. And it's they go and then they bring God and his presence into that situation. And so that's what Jesus is doing. He's, I'm sending you out, but I'm going to come right after you. And he told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. God is is about mobilizing a movement of of Christ followers. And just like he called these 72, he calls us to join in too. And I love how before Jesus was going to move in these different parts of Israel, other people had to move first. They had to go there first. And this, if you remember one thing today, this is like deep, deep philosophy. This is if you're taking notes in your bulletin or wherever, you can write this down. There is no movement without movement. Mm, it's like life is like one hand clapping. All right? No, what, what do you mean? No, there's no movement without movement. In other words, God is in the business, and he is for the past 2,000 years been stirring up the largest movement in history, where it it went from a group of of 12 to now 4 billion people around the world identify themselves as, or 3 billion people around the world identify themselves as as Christians. And maybe not all of them are true Christians, but there's billions of people are part of this world Christian movement. And that is the movement that is going on today, but there is no movement without movement. In other words, we have to move to be part of the movement 
of God. There are things that we have to do to come into that. And Jesus, he looked at the, at the people and he said, the harvest is plentiful. The problem is not the harvest. And there's a lot of talk in our culture today that says, oh, our culture's not really interested in God. There's a lot of talk about the nuns, the people that don't have any religious, religious affiliation, that don't believe in God, or they're not interested in God. But the reality of what Jesus saw here is true today. The harvest is plentiful. The problem is not in the harvest. Manhattan, Kansas is full of thousands of people that are ready to respond to the good news of Jesus Christ. That are looking for hope and joy and a purpose for their life. That are looking for justice and peace and community. The things that Jesus brings. The harvest is plentiful. But the problem is what? The workers. The workers are few. There's no problem in the harvest. The problem is the lack of workers. And so Jesus said, ask for workers for the harvest. And I love how Jesus used the word workers. I love how he didn't say, the harvest is plentiful, but pastors are few. Or the harvest is plentiful, but seminary graduates are few. Or the harvest is plentiful, but really smart people are few. Or really talented people are few. Or people who don't have any fears or insecurities. We don't have enough of them. No, that's not what he said. He said the harvest is plentiful, but workers are few. Now, dad, every dad knows that everybody can be a worker. It doesn't matter. I mean, I, one of my greatest joys in life is when my kids are like two or three and they see us like carrying wood and they're like, hey, I want to be part of that. It's like, all oh, right, yes, you're getting it. This is great. This is good. The workers, the, what God has called us to is not to be the smartest person in the room, not to have the most accolades, not to have the most degrees necessarily. That If that's what God's called you to, then great. But to be a part of the movement of God, all it takes is that we be workers. Now, that's good and that's bad, right? Because anybody can be a worker, but to be a worker, you've got to work. And, you know, part of us doesn't really like the work thing sometimes. But I love that. It's a worker. I, even in the Communist Party, that's their, their word for every man and every woman. Is, you know, we're the party of the workers. Because there's this sense of, like, that's what everybody is. Like, and I'm not, I'm not advocating communism here, in case you were wondering. But they're on to something right there. And... It's, that's who God uses. It's ordinary people who are willing to say, hey, there's a harvest, and I'm willing to move to be part of this movement. I, I read recently in the second century, there was a Greek philosopher named, named Celsus. I don't think that's who, what Celsius is named after, but it's kind of similar. And Celsus was actually an opponent of Christianity and the whole Christian movement that was exploding around the, the Roman Empire. And he was writing about what was going on. And this was his complaint. He said that Christianity is the faith of uneducated slaves, women, and children. And it's spread in private houses by wool workers, cobblers, laundry workers, and the most illiterate and bucolic yokels. Now, what's a bucolic yokel? That's basically a hick, all right, in second century Greek. So he's like, man, this is, we got, this is spreading like wildfire, and it's the cobblers, and the wool workers, and the shepherds, and the farmers, like, 
They're the ones that are spreading this, this message and this movement from house to house. And the reality is that is how this movement spreads. It's by ordinary people being transformed by God, getting, coming into relationship with God, and in their sphere of influence, seeing things happen. Now, that's really the vision for, for Bluemont Church. Our, our vision statement is, is to see a culturally and ethnically diverse, growing church where people are continually coming to faith in Christ, maturing as disciples, influencing every area of Manhattan, Kansas State University, and Fort Riley, and being sent out to transform culture in other cities and nations. Now, I'm excited to see, I remember the day we were sitting in a kitchen talking about, God, what's the vision you've given us? And coming up with this, this vision statement and saying, you know, God, you're doing that. That is, that is really cool. But to see this happen, again, it's not the experts, the professionals, or the staff. It's every member of minister. It's this realization, God, this is what you have called the ordinary people. And not to say that you know, somebody's more, we're all ordinary people. But it's through ordinary people that this movement spreads. All right. You follow me so far? That's, that's what God is up to. Well, I want to keep reading this story. Actually, I'm going to read those two verses again and then continue. So we're going to look at, at how do you get on in, the, in on this? How do you seize the, the movement moment? How do, you, how do we get in on being part of the movement of God that he's doing? Or how do we come into that to a greater degree? So Luke 10, starting reading, reading those two verses again. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. That's not usually the encouragement you want to receive, right? Like, hey, go, you're going to be a lamb among a wolf. But that's the, in, inherent in that is that he is protecting us and standing with us. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, just, just listen to his instructions to them, and then we're going to come back and look at how this applies to us. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to your feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. I'm going to skip ahead to verse 16. He says, he who listens to you, listens to me. He who rejects you, rejects me. But he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. So the 72 went out, and then they came back. And so the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. 
I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. All right, there's a lot there. And some of this is maybe unique to the instructions he gave them, but I think there are principles that are universal that apply to all of us in, in every time and every situation. So how do we seize the movement moment? If we want to be in on the movement of God, what do we do? Well, the first thing is find your partner, like in, like in square dancing. Find your partner, do si do Now, it's interesting. He, he sent them out two by two. And there's something in that, that a lot of times we, we tend to think, especially as Americans, we think individualistically. We think about ourselves. But when God sends us out, he inevitably, or usually, there's someone he wants to be a partner with us in that endeavor. So maybe God's called you to to start a movement in your department, or to start a movement at Fort Riley, where you're working, or in your job, or a certain neighborhood, or whatever it is. Probably one of the first things God wants to do is connect you up with another partner, with another person that would be sent out in that same mission. And you're there for an encouragement. You're there for a support. You're there to pick one another up when you're discouraged. You know, hopefully if you're married, then your partner is your partner, at least in, you know, some aspects of your ministry. That you're in that thing together, and it's not that your, your marriage is about something greater, that your partner's in the ministry that God has given. And so that's a good question to ask. Like, God, where you've called me to? Who, who is their partner? Is there someone I already know that is my partner? Or that you want to be my partner? Or is there maybe, maybe someone you want to bring to me? But God, would you link me up with a partner in that ministry? And, and if you don't have one, just ask God. Say, God, give me a partner. Give me someone I can link up with to go into this thing you called me to. The second thing in, in Season the Movement moment is to walk in authority. I mean, that's one of the things that stands out in this passage the most is the amount of authority that Jesus gave these 72 people. And again, they were, they were people that up to this point had, they were living, we don't know much about them. They, I think probably they were people that were, were following Jesus to, you know, they were following him as they could, but they had jobs, they had lives, they had families, they weren't among the 12, they wasn't their full-time job. And so they were spending their days in, in their regular world, but every chance they could, they were coming to hear Jesus and apply his teaching, and, and work it into their life. And Jesus found those people who were living it out in their ordinary lives and said, hey, you go, and I'm calling you into the world. And there's, there's a message for that in us. And, but there's, the authority they had was incredible. He told them, hey, if they listen to you, they listen to me. That's some authority. That it's not just you, but I'm with you. And as you speak on my behalf, I'm backing it up. If they don't listen to you, they don't listen to me. And if they don't listen to me, they're not listening to my Father. And so he backed it up with all the authority in the universe. And that's why he was able to say stuff like, hey, go heal the sick. Because I got all authority, and I'm commissioning you to, to do this. And so it's not about what you can do in your natural ability, but it's in the authority that I have given you. Go and do things that are impossible. Go announce this message that the kingdom of God is here. Bring up God. Bring up my kingdom. And you have my authority to do that. I think this is probably one of the biggest places where 
where we don't live this out, where it's a big stretch for us to think like, really? But the reality is, is that every believer, everyone who God has come and lived in, and, and forgiven our sins and lives inside of us, and especially if he has filled us with the Holy Spirit, we have that same authority to represent God and to stand on his behalf in his mission. That's pretty cool. You know, he's, he's like, hey, don't worry about money. Don't worry about pay. The worker's worthy of his pay. You, what you're doing is worth it. I'm authorizing you. And it's going to be okay. I'm giving you what you need to carry this out. And so that's, that's what God has given us. If we look at the, the Great Commission, Jesus said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, you go and make disciples of the nations. I have all authority. And out of that, I'm delegating you with my authority to go walk in that. Anyone besides me, like, that's a little bit of a jump to think, like, really? That's true for me? Like, when I wake up in the morning, you've authorized me to be sent out to start a movement, and you've got, you put your authority in me? Yeah, that's, that's the truth. All right, third point here. This is my favorite one. I think probably the most important. Third thing you got to do is move your butt. All right? There's no movement without movement. And so often our problem is that and the problem of Christianity in America is we know so much, but we're doing so little with what we know. We oftentimes, I'm like, I don't want to hear, I'm not sure I want to hear another message or read another book because there are so many books I've read that I'm not caught up with the doing in my life. And all throughout, when you look at Jesus, when you look at the Bible, this theme is, hey, you've heard this, now go do it. Faith without works is dead. And we oftentimes deceive ourselves into thinking we're something because of what we know. But our, what, what our obedience to God is not about what we know, it's about what we do. And there's no movement without movement. But I think in the middle of that passage, the most important word is when he said, go. All right, I'm, I'm authorizing you. I'm commissioning you. Now go do it. If they hadn't moved their feet and gone to those cities and done what he told them to do, no movement would have happened. And the same is true for us. There are things that God wants to do, just like with my friend Brian Welsh when I was a freshman in college. But if I hadn't started a Bible study and invited some people, that never would have happened. He would have never gotten saved. And there's so many times where I say, man, I, I don't know what to do, but when I just step out and do something, God shows up. There's no movement without movement. And oftentimes we overcomplicate it. And we, we make it, there's so much more, but it's no, it's like, hey, take what God's told you and do it. Now, how exciting would it be to be part of a movement where everyone in the movement if they hadn't led someone to Christ in the last year, that would be an abnormality. That like, if, if I hadn't led someone to Christ in the past year, my friends would be coming up to me and going, hey dude, are, is everything okay? Like, are, are you still a Christian? Because, you know, what? Are, are you, are you, how's your faith doing? Because it was just the norm. That hey, we're all called to be ambassadors for Jesus. We're all called to lead someone to Christ. We're all called to make disciples of people around us. And if we said, man, if I haven't done that, if I've been a Christian for a year, 
and I haven't done that, man, maybe, maybe this isn't the sort of movement that God called me into. And I mean, that's, that's challenging for me. I, but, it's, but I know that if I look at my life, and if, if I would ask myself, okay, why, why isn't that happening more? That would be very telling questions to ask. It would be, well, man, do I believe that, that Jesus forgave me of my sins? That I deserve the wrath of God and an eternity apart from Him? But Jesus reached out to me and brought His message of purpose and forgiveness to me and saved me. Do I, do, have I experienced that? Am I living that and, enjoy, and knowing the reality of that? Do I believe that's true for other people? That people around me are separated from God? That they are far from Christ? And that is a serious thing. Do I, do I really realize that? What, what is it that is, that is causing me not to see more, more of a movement coming from my life? And, you know, I, honestly, if I look at my life, and I think this is true for all of us, I would say the reason that that's not happening more, it really is pretty simple. It's that winning people to Christ isn't a bigger priority in my life. It's not that, it's not that God doesn't come through when I make that a priority. It's that, you know, really it's that other things are crowding that out of my life, that other things are a bigger priority. But the exciting thing is, and I can tell you that whenever I have recalibrated my life and said, wait a minute, man, I've gotten too busy with other stuff. This is what it's all about. Jesus said, go. I need to go. I I need to rearrange some things. I need to be intentional with these relationships. And God, who is it that you want me to reach out to? And who is it that you want me to talk to? And help bring me to people. You know, it's amazing how God does that. And people come to faith as I make it a priority in my life. As as I move my butt. I I love what Jesus said in Matthew 5.14. He said, you are the light of the world. Again, I've put something in you. For everyone who is a born-again believer, you are the light of the world. My light is in you. A city, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. That's the quality of light. If there is light, it's going to shine. If light is on a hill, it's going to go out. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And think about that. Light doesn't try to spread. Light just is light. And we got the, the speed of light, right? Like as soon as light comes to place, it spreads out because that's the nature of light. It naturally spreads. The only thing that can keep light from not spreading is if it's covered up. It doesn't have to try to be like, oh, I want to shine brighter. No. But if it's not spreading, it's because stuff is covering it up. And that's what happens in our lives. Is if we are born again, there is the light of God in us, but it's the things that cover it up. It's our fears, our insecurities, our unwillingness to step out, our refusal to obey God. It's the things that we, we cover it up. And that's what keeps the light from spreading. But when we take those things off, it is God's light in us that spreads in a powerful way. That's, that's pretty awesome to think about how, think about how that works. I, um, what, there's a, a guy I know, he's the most effective 
evangelist I know, or at least way up there. His name's Rice Brooks. He actually, the whole God's Not Dead movie, he's the guy who, who wrote the book and was behind that whole movie project, and he's, God's used him incredibly in evangelism for decades. And he was once asked, a friend of my, uh, he was asked by a friend, of, a friend of mine asked him, hey, how do you start spiritual conversations? Because if you're around Rice, it's amazing how he's really good at starting spiritual conversations. He's able to, to bring it naturally, really in a way like, like Jesus did. And he's so, you're like, oh man, he's going to have some like, you know, martial arts answer of this great skill in spiritual conversations. His answer was this. You just do it. How do you start spiritual conversations? Basically, the same way you jump off the diving board. You say, all right, I want to get there. It's a little scary. I'm going to do it. And that, out of that, you figure out, okay, maybe, you know, you do something. And as you do that, you get better in being more skilled at it. But the most important thing isn't this great, difficult maneuver, but it's that you get in there and you bring up God and you say something about him, and that makes all the difference. All right. Fourth thing, find a person of peace. Jesus told, told them, he said, hey, when you go out, there will be, look for a person who's a person of peace. And if they are a person, then you, my blessing will stay with them. If not, it will come back. And this is a theme all throughout the New Testament, that the way the gospel spreads is that there are people who are people of peace. And what a person of peace is someone who is who's open to the things of God, but not, they're not only open, but they're respected in their community, and they're connected to others. And so, people of peace are very strategic because they're people God has prepared, and they have a heart that's open to the things of God. But when they respond, it's not just about them, but they're naturally going to invite their, their friends and neighbors to find out too, because that's the kind of person they are. So, Jesus says, hey, find a person like that. Trust me to lead you to people like that. I read a story recently about people that were doing this, and they're like, God, who do we... They were praying, God, who should we talk to? And there's a husband and wife, and the wife just felt as she was praying that God prompted her heart and said, let's go to the Chinese grocery store. Just like they had a Chinese grocery store like we do here in, in Aggieville. And so they, they went in the Chinese grocery store and started talking to someone in there and brought up God, and it was this 20-minute conversation where the woman wouldn't stop talking to them. She was so excited about what she was bringing up. And... Then she's like, what can we do? I, I want to, you know, let, let's do something more. And they, when they left, they're like, man, we've been in this town for years. And there are thousands of Chinese people here. But here is the person that it was just a matter of asking God to lead us to that person. And there are people, if you start thinking, God, who is in my world? Who's a person of peace? You know, I, I think of Ginny Loya. She was a person of peace. That, man, she was a, a person with a heart towards God, connected. When she responded, man, there was a natural movement that happened among other people. And God is, that's something God wants to do through all of our lives too. And number five, and this is the most important one. The fifth thing is celebrate your identity. What in the world do you mean by that? How do we seize the, the movement moment? We celebrate who we are. It was, I love how the story ends, and Jesus comes, or the, these disciples come back to Jesus, and they're so excited. 
Like, man, it was awesome. And we saw so many amazing things happen when we got out there. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. Man, this is, this is incredible. This is so great. It's working. The movement is happening. And Jesus said, hey, that's great. And, yeah, you know, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. You know, that's, yeah, I, God has the authority. I got the authority. You got the authority. It, it's a cool deal. But actually, that's not the thing you should be celebrating. There's something even greater to rejoice in. Don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. And what does that mean, your name's written in heaven? It means that there's a book in heaven where God the Father has written your name as his daughter or his son. That there are two categories of people in the world, people in the kingdom of darkness people in the kingdom of light. And there is a book of life where God has taken people from the one, one kingdom and put them in his kingdom and written their name in his book. And that means not only have they been saved, but their name is known by God as a son or a daughter. And that's, that's incredible to think that when we come to Christ, that he writes our name down and he knows us. He knows who we are. And he calls us his, his son or his daughter. He calls us worthy. He says, hey, you, you, yeah, that was your past and that's all that. But that's not who you are anymore. I take that away and I make you worthy. You're worthy of being in my book. You're worthy of being in my family. You're wor- worthy of being part of my mission. And that's where all this flows from. It's not just like, hey, i got to like, do this, do this so that God likes me and I feel good about myself. No. If, if that's where we're at, then that's, that's a trap of the enemy that we totally miss it. But it's coming out of, God, this is who you are. This is who you've made me. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. That's worth celebrating. And I naturally just want to spread the news. I naturally want to let people know because of that. Um, you know, who we, who we are flows out of no, what we do flows out of who we are. When we know who we are, then the living in a way that mobilizes a movement, that's the natural byproduct of being in relationship with God and knowing who he's made us. All right, well, I, man, this is just, I really feel like we are at a, we're in the middle of this. And it's been exciting to see even this summer, God, God changing lives. God working powerfully. I'm so excited about the fall coming and what God's going to be doing. And I really want to ask you this. What's God saying to you? What's, what's, the, what's he putting on your heart this morning? Now, if you're not yet in the movement, if you're not yet in God's family, then and that's what God is saying to you. He's saying, hey, I'm calling you to be my son. I'm calling you to be my daughter. I came for you. I died for your sins. I rose from the grave on your behalf. I'm calling you to come into my kingdom and be part of my kingdom in the world. That's a movement that changes the world around me. You know, maybe you're, you're in that place where you're like, man, I, I need a partner. God, I need to, God, will you give me a partner? Or I need to ask a person if they'll be my partner. Maybe it's just the move your butt thing. Like, okay, you know, I, I know where you've called me. 
I know where you put me, but I just need to do something about that. I need to take some steps of action to, to start spiritual conversations or to, to do something where I am bringing the movement to people around me. Maybe it's like God, and this is for all of us, that, well, I really need to go deeper in knowing who I am in you and celebrate the identity that you've given me. And whatever God's saying to you, I want to encourage you to respond to that and put it into place in your life. I want to pray for us and ask God that he would, he would help us to be a movement. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that this is what we're made for. Thank you this is what you've done for us, what you've called us to. Lord, whatever it is, I ask that you would make it clear. Lord, thank you for the, just the, the joy and the thrill that you use our lives. God, I, I ask this morning that you would take your word and blow on it and cause faith to arise. I pray for fresh vision and new vision. But I pray that we would see our lives in new ways. That, that we would see ourselves as people whose names are written in your book. If they are. If they're not, that you would, we would see ourselves as people who you're calling to be written in your book. And Lord, I pray that we would see the opportunity and the, the possibility of what you're doing all around us. And you would lead us into that. Lord, we thank you for that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.